Amen. Can you hear me? Am I switched on? Yeah, you're good. Awesome. Well, just close our eyes. I just want to pray before we, we start here this morning. Father, we thank you. We can come around your word. Father, we thank you this morning for your written word. Father, we thank you for your rhema word, your quickened word. Father, we thank you this morning for your prophetic word. Father, we thank you this morning for your word of knowledge. Father, we just want to thank you for the word, Jesus, made flesh and dwelt among us. Father, this morning as we open your word, I pray, Father, that your word would be made alive in every person's heart today. And that, Lord, that word, Lord, would spring forth. Lord, it would be a now word, Father. It would be a word, Father, that would grow, that would blossom, and bring forth seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Father, we just want to thank you right now in Jesus' name, amen. amen. How many have heard of a, a word called revival or revive? How many this morning need reviving? Okay, I'm in the right place. I want to speak this morning on revive or revival or reviving with a hope and a future. Let me say that again. Revive, revival, reviving with a hope and a future. When you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, we're going to begin in verse 18, and I'm reading in New King James. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way or a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Hold your hand there and flip across to Jeremiah, chapter 29, another scripture that we all know oh so well. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Wow. That's my text for this morning. Now, when we talk about revival, what comes to your thinking? How many have been in a revival meeting? How many have been in a revival meeting where you've been rolling on the floor and fits of laughter and sometimes you've heard animal noises and you've stood back and you've said, what on earth is going on here? Am I actually in a Bible meeting? Yeah? 
And I mean, I've, I've, been in, I've been in those sorts of meetings. I've heard about those sorts of meetings, Toronto, perhaps not so much in Pensacola because from what I understand in Pensacola, there was a holiness that was upon those meetings where people were just running forth and getting saved. How many have heard of Azusa Street? 1906. What about Saskatchewan in 1948? No. Other revivals throughout history. What about the Welsh revival? Changed the nation. So this morning I'm going to speak on revival, but I'm going to speak on it in what I feel is a bit of a different way because for the last number of weeks I've been hearing this, and I'm sure all of you have heard something similar. God is about to do a new thing. There is newness on the heart of God, right? Behold, I will do a new thing. And I said, I'm just going to be honest with you all this morning. I've been hearing this for months, if not years, this new thing. You know, we all sit back and we all twiddle our thumbs and we say, okay, I'm waiting for this new thing. What's this new thing that God's about to do? And so I did what I believe is the right thing to do. And I said, God says, ask of me. So, Lord, I'm going to ask of you today, what is this new thing that you're about? So I want you to come with me this morning on a journey. And let me preface that by saying there are seven scriptures where the word revive is found. Nehemiah 4.2, Psalm 85 verse 6, Psalm 138 verse 7. I don't have the time this morning to read all of these, but if you've got pen and paper, you might want to jot them down and read them a bit later. Isaiah 57 verse 15, Hosea 6 verse 2, Hosea 14 verse 7, and Habakkuk 3, but I didn't write it down, the actual verse, I'm sorry. So we know in the Bible that there is this word revive. But when you actually go to have a look at what this word actually means, it's completely different to what you actually think it is. How many have been in a place where you've thought you knew a word and then you went to look it up and it's completely different? I found that out this week and as I've been preparing for this. So again, we're all on a journey. And so I want to read that to you this morning. So the definition of this word revive is to show, to properly live. By implication, intensively to declare or to show. It actually comes from a primitive root word where we get the, the idea to keep, to make alive. Certainly, give promise, give life. Suffer to live, nourish up, preserve alive, quicken, recover, repair. Oh. Restore to life, revive, save. Surely, behold. 
I want you to think about that for a moment. Because I went back, as I said, to this scripture, and we just read it in verse 18. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. That word old comes from a word meaning from the east. It's a direction. Behold, I will do a new thing. What is this new thing? The word new comes from the idea to give cause to build. Cause or reason to build. From which we get the word or words renew and repair. Not rolling around on the ground. But God is actually going to build. I just read out some ideas and definitions of what happens when we put these two words together, new and old. But you know what? Jesus sums it up the best way I know possible. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. And for context, you could begin at verse 13. But the verse I want to read to you is this one that you know. And I say also unto you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, upon Christ, I will build. What's he going to build? Church? What's the church? We are the church. Are we not? So God is building us. Hallelujah. And what happens next? The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Against the church. You can take that all the way through to verse 19. So when I think of the word build, and I come from a building background, been in building all my life. When I think of this word revive, what do I actually get? See, when, when God talks about reviving or repairing, Sometimes you get a house that has fallen down. The timbers are not so good. The roof has caved in. And you get a renovator. That's a renovator's dream. To bring it back to the way it once was. This word revive, this word repair, is the same idea that God wants to firstly bring us back to the way we once were. Before things happened, before there was atmospheric changes, before there was physical changes, before there were spiritual changes, I didn't say restoration. We're just coming back to revive, to a state of repair. The Bible says that we are to be, or he is the repairer of the breach. The wall has fallen down. The wall needs repairing. Church, we need repairing. 
It's not a nice word because it actually takes nails and hammers. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, 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 bang. And sometimes it requires a bit of soaring. None of us like being cut. And sometimes when rot has set in, the rot needs to be cut off so that you've got a fresh start. That piece of timber, 95% of it might be all right, but that last little bit, I'm sorry, needs to go. What are the things in your life this morning that need to go? Because God wants a fresh start. God wants to repair you. And you know what? Getting around God is the greatest thing you possibly can do. There's nothing else like it. Declaring what God has done, declaring what God is, and declaring what God will do. I love it. I love, I love talking with God. There's nothing else like it. Enjoying God. How many actually enjoy God? Or is it, oh, God... You tell me this and you tell me that and I've got to do this and I've got to do that and something else and something else. But you know what? When you let the peace of God rule, he takes over. And all of a sudden, that repair job is not so tiresome. That repair job is not so hard. So... This morning, can I suggest to you that you're in a revival meeting? Amen. You're in a repair meeting. You're in a build meeting. Are you ready to be built on? Has your foundation been properly laid or does it need restoring? Do we need to put in some new stumps and some new joists and some new bearers followed by new flooring? And then we can build the superstructure. Then we can put some new walls in, new floor. But whether it's a double story or you're a single story, I don't know. And then the roof goes on and then the capstone goes on and then the glory comes down. Amen? This is the building meeting. We're building for a hope and a future. You know, that's exciting. And in this journey this morning... That's what God wants to do. But you know what? God is the kind of God that never does anything without a pattern. When you build a house, you build according to plans. You build according to the pattern. <clears throat> Here is God's pattern. This is God's pattern. This is the way he's building his church. For his bride, for his son Jesus. This is his plan. And did you know you're all part of that building? And each one of you have a part to play. Some of us are a little finger, some of us are an ear, some of us are a heart, some of us are feet, some of us, I don't even know the, the skeletal. Understanding. I'm not from a medical background, but you know, there are so many different types of bones in our structure. There's so many different types of timber in a building. But each piece of timber has a certain place and a certain part to play. 
And each one of you here this morning have a certain part to play in KC City Church and its building. See, KC City Church is not finished. The capstone is not yet on. Because God's manifest glory is not yet arriving in its full form. But it's going to. I'm, I'm walking because I just love to walk when I preach, okay? So don't, don't, don't get too upset if I'm walking. That's just the way I am. Now, if you want to read all of 1 Corinthians 12, it's talking about the many-membered body, which I've just summarized for you this morning. In Jeremiah 29.11, it talks there in King James at least, of an expected end. In the New Living Translation, I believe it is, it says, for a hope and a future. God revives us because he wants to place before us a future and a hope, or a hope and a future. God brings us back to the place we were once in, to prepare us for that hope and that future. But what is that hope? Have you ever actually thought about the word hope? Or you just say it? In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, it says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. But Paul, speaking there to the Corinthian church, talks, takes three items, doesn't he? Faith, hope, and love. Hope is the middle word. It is buttressed by faith and love. So Paul wants us to understand what is your hope? Church, what is your hope this morning? I know we have hope in Jesus. I know that and you know that. But this morning, when I began to look at this word hope, it's an expectation to live. Hope is the thing I long for. In Romans 5, verse 5, it says, And hope makes not ashamed. It's not shameful to have hope. When I put these two together, my hope is to anticipate. With pleasure and expectation, concrete or abstract, even my confidence, my faith, my hope does not put me to disgrace, to shame, even to blush and to be confounded. Hope, church, gives each one of us an opportunity to anticipate with pleasure. That should put a smile on your face. To anticipate something with pleasure. Who's anticipating something with pleasure this morning? How about this one? Are you anticipating with pleasure Jesus touching your life? 
touching your heart and you leave this service this morning changed by the power of the living God because God came in, God saw you and God says, I want to move on your life. That's hope. That's anticipatory hope. What do you anticipate happening in God? God speaks to us in order to give us hope. How about this one? Who's received a prophetic word? Some of us more than once. But what does that prophetic word do? It gives you hope. Hope for tomorrow. Hope for next year. Casey City Church, we have hope. Hope thou in God. It's in Him. Do you know what my hope is? Or one of my hopes? It's this. I believe with all my heart that we are going to see a fulfillment of the book of Acts. God is repairing and building his church. And this is the old that he's talking about. In other words, I spoke, I'm going to let you in on a secret. I spoke with my wife about something yesterday. Because I could not get my, my mind or my words around it. And she does English all the time. And even though I'm English, I could not, could not get my thought around it. So listen to this. Isn't it interesting how going back to the root word of the meaning of something we get literally get surprised about how the meaning has changed over the years. You think about that. When I say to you, old, what do you think about? A man with grey hair, glasses, a sore back, leaning over and a walking stick. In many people's minds, that's old. What about 1926? That's old years. That's back near the turn of the century. What about 1606? What about 1066? That's old. But that's not what God's talking about. Anything that's old is in need of repair. And sometimes our thinking needs repair. Why? So that you can have hope. So that you can have hope. Now, if that's what hope is, what about the future? You know, we're all told about the future. We're told and we believe and we understand that Jesus is coming back. That's the future. When he's coming back, well, that's an unknown question in terms of exact timing but he says we know the times and the seasons amen we can get into a number of rabbit traps in eschatology and i'm not here this morning to get into that because we all have our own thinking on it i'm convinced i just said before that my hope is that the church of jesus christ is all glorious as befitting the bride. 
But one more of my hope before we go to the future is that the church, my hope is that you and I here together this morning, my hope is that we actually have authority and power. Power without authority corrupts absolutely. But power with authority is what we need. A policeman can only demonstrate his power because he has the authority to do it. He can only stand at an intersection and tell you to stop because he's being given authority to do so. When you and I stand as the church in authority, all powers become subject to that authority. I'm hoping for that one day. I want to live to see that one day. That is my hope. Okay, so what do we mean by future? It's a period of time following the moment of speaking or writing, time regarded as still to come. So the future can be as, as far away as one second. The moment I've spoken something, the time between what I have spoken and you hearing it is the future. The future can also be next year, next month. This is only one definition, okay? I'm sure there are many others. But when we put, and I, I'm running out of time, I think, yes. But when we put the whole idea of future together, we get this. To literally be gathered together. To bind up as a book is bound. To look patiently. How many have got patience? Give me patience and I want it now, right? You've got patience. What about to tarry? Tarry till you be endued with power from on high. That's the future. To wait for the last, the latter end, for posterity, the remnant, and the reward. That's the future. That's the definition that I found. Does that excite you? Amen? But you know what? We've got to do a bit of tarrying. We've got to do a bit of waiting. And here's, here's something that I know some people don't like. Jesus said, occupy till I come. What does occupy mean? Occupy means to do the things that Jesus told us to do. So what's that? Heal the sick, raise the dead, and bring others to Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. So as we, we think about this, how does this all fit together? God wants to build for a hope and for a future. How does this all come together? Well, we're in three days of prayer and fasting. We can pray into that hope and into that future. You know, there's power in prayer. Have a look around here, just for a moment. Have a look at everybody that is in this room. 
And I'm going to make the assumption that every one of us here this morning is a Christian. Okay? Now, with a Christian, there is what I want to call firepower. Okay? There's firepower here this morning. The Bible tells me that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. There's more than two here this morning. So if two can put 10,000 to flight, what can this church do here this morning when you begin to pray? But when we pray, we do it in unison, right? Because if we are in disunity, it won't matter whether we're 10, 50, 5,000 or just one. Nothing will happen. So we can pray. And you know what we can pray? We can pray this, God revive us. God calls us to know hope. God calls us to know unashamedly that our future is based on your word. You have saved us. He saved you with a hope and a future. Now, there's many more aspects that I could speak on. and We could go for weeks, if not months, on the whole thought of revival. We could go for months on the whole thought of hope, the whole thought of a future. But what are the things that bring us together for hope and a future? A big one is simply prayer. Church, and is it okay if I can be Personal, upfront, transparent a little bit. My family and I have been in Casey City Church for about three and a half years now. It's home, well and truly. But from the moment I gave my heart to, to Christ some 45 years ago, my mum taught me the power of prayer. So for 45 years, I've loved to pray. There's something I know that transpires when prayer is given. See, prayer changes things because prayer is directed to a supernatural God who takes the supernatural and makes it possible. I, I give you a testimony. Susanna and I were down at the beach before we were... We actually got married, and I'd put her engagement ring, taken it off, and I'd put it in my shorts. Now, at the beach, sand gets everywhere. So, as you do, when you get up to go home, you shake everything. I shook my pants. And out came the engagement ring and somewhere on the sand. And we looked at each other and said, <gasps> the engagement ring. I kid you not. And we had a little boy come up and say, what have you lost? We've said an engagement ring. I'll help you find it. The Holy Ghost then tells me, I want you to go up to the tuffet of grass, stamp your foot three times, and the engagement ring will be found. So you know that, those tufts of grass that you get 
down at our beaches. I walked up there, I guess a little bit like, you're really going to come through with this one? Oh, yeah, I can believe it. One, two, three. The little boy said, there it is. It's never left Susanna's hand, finger again. <laughs> that might be a simple thought, but it's a power of prayer. I believe that with all my heart. But see, when you begin the, 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 the prayer of intimacy, the life of intimacy with God, it doesn't matter what you're doing. When you pray, you get answers. Amen? Let me tell you another story. And yes, it involves my wife. When we got engaged, Susanna was in, living in Germany. I was here in Australia. And so we said... We will allow $50 a week to make phone calls. So that would usually last about 13 minutes, five cards, each $10 each. So we had to get everything said in those few minutes. Anyway, this one morning at 1 o'clock in the morning, which was our regular time, I'd gone up to the old Glen Waverley shopping centre, sat my 1976 Toyota Corona Blue next to the public phone. I got out, put my card in, and it was, it was just ringing out. And I said, this is not right. I'm meant to be ringing my fiancé. Then the Holy Spirit comes, as he does. And he said to me, he said, who told you to get out of the car and ring her? No one. Get back in the car and wait there until I tell you to. I got back in the car, didn't I? Very quick smart. I'm sitting there, and I kid you not, out of heaven came a huge video screen in Munich. And I saw Susanna walk down the street. I saw her turn the corner, walk down her street, Marshallstrasse, put her key in the front door, walk down the hallway, walk up one flight of spiral stairs. Yes, because I'd been there before. She walked down the hallway. She's one step away from putting the key in her unit door, and the Holy Ghost says, now I want you to call. I got out of the car in the middle of the rain, put my... First card in, one rang. Hi, she was there. See, prayer also teaches us obedience. That's a hope. That's a future if you will trust God. If you will obey God, God will come to you like that. I believe that. There are others that have experienced similar things here this morning. I'm just wanting to stir you up. That you guys can do it also. This is what building is all about. This is what revival is all about. This is our hope. This is our future. We're going to pray into that over the next two days. We are going to believe God. When we worship, the Holy Ghost can turn up at a moment's notice. What would happen, church, if for an hour and a half tomorrow... And an hour and a half on Tuesday, everybody in this room turned up at 7 o'clock Monday night and Tuesday night. Wow. We've got building taking place. We've got repair work taking place. We've got God preparing KC City Church for the future, for your hope. Next year, this is our theme. Building 
for a hope and a future. Church, are you ready for that? Here's one more. What about the power or the prayer of forgiveness? Forgiveness is a big thing. Can you forgive the person on your left? The person on your right? The person behind you? person in front of you? Because maybe God might just speak to your heart and say, Hey, you've had this thing about that person sitting beside you for a while. You need to forgive them. Here's another one. Loving your brother and loving your sister. Now, I know Jesus actually says it a lot more eloquently than I do. But who is your brother? Who is your sister? The person on your left, the person on your right, the person in front of you, the person behind you. Come on, Casey. You have been given a high and a holy calling. You have been given the headland. You are a light on top of the hill. Why? To bring hope. Why? To bring a future. Why? To bring to bear that revival gives the believers renewed hope for the future. Let me read that again. Why? To bring to bear that revival gives the believers, you and I, renewed hope for the future. Amen? Amen. 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 Woo! Come on. It's not the sort of revival meeting perhaps that many of you expected. But I know in my heart and I know in my spirit that God is doing repair work. And if that's what you need, and you need somebody to agree with you this morning, then there are people here that can and would love to pray with you. I believe, I know the Holy Ghost is here. He is here in a powerful way. And maybe you've lost hope. Maybe the hope that you had has been doused and the fire has gone out. Maybe you're not sure of your future, of where you're going, of what you're doing. But Jesus wants to tell you guys this morning, I'm coming to give you back your future. I'm building things into you that have been there for a long time, just you didn't know it. I'm removing the things that do not need to be there. And yes, sometimes they hurt. What's the scripture say? Sorrow endures for the night. But joy comes in the morning. Amen? But what is joy? Joy is not in a circumstance. Joy is in a person. Who is your joy found in? Jesus. And maybe that's what you need this morning. You just need a little bit of infectious joy. There's something happens when the people of God find that laughter is a, is a good thing. Doctors all around the world, if they could put it into pills, would prescribe many laughs a day. Why? Because a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Amen? But a broken spirit drieth the bones. 
If you're broken here this morning, God wants to repair you so that you can begin to laugh again. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you.